4: It was just horrifying. That was in my son.
0: Nature's deadliest organisms. He looked like death was coming upon him. They can hijack our bodies. It was hard to imagine that he was going to make it. Disable our immune systems. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't walk. And eat us from within.
5: There was nothing I could do.
0: For those infected. They are The Monsters Inside Me. Steve and Beth Beck live just outside of Seattle in Mount Lake Terrace, Washington. I met Beth back in the 90s. We went to a comedy club
6: and she laughed and she kind of snorted. So I knew she felt a little comfortable with me.
4: Steve and I are a huge success story. I met the guy for me. They
0: have two children, 14-year-old Alyssa and 16-year-old Tristan.
6: Alyssa and Tristan are very active kids. They like to be outdoors and just do fun stuff.
4: I've been very proud of my children from the minute they were born. (laughs) Alyssa was a very fun little girl, and she liked to do crafts a lot. And Tristan has always been a super skinny kid, but still he was just a real natural athlete.
0: Despite the family's busy lifestyle, there's one thing they always make time for. We barbecue year-round. and It's very
6: important for our family to be outside and to bond and have a good meal. But this family's strength
0: is about to be put to the ultimate test. One afternoon in May, Steve is at work when his phone rings.
6: I was at a meeting with a client, and I got a call from Tristan. He told me that when he was in the middle of math class that he had a sharp pain in his stomach. Like there's somebody sticking a knife in his stomach. It sounded like he got hit with a nasty stomach bug. I wasn't too concerned, but I told him it's fine to check himself
0: out of school. Tristan goes home to rest. That evening, when Steve and Beth arrive back at the house, there's been a startling development.
4: He said he had been vomiting about every half hour. I was really concerned because he just typically is a really healthy kid. I thought it was just a 24-hour stomach bug and he'd feel a lot better in the morning.
0: But Tristan's condition only gets worse.
4: Steve and I woke up in the middle of the night to the sound of Tristan's dry heaving. And uh, I've never heard anybody vomit that loudly before. It smelled very pungent and had a real strong bile smell. I was very concerned about Tristan, but I just thought it had something to do with the stomach flu. I wanted to keep him hydrated, so I brought him water. But none of us got much sleep that night.
0: The next day, Beth stays home from work to care for Tristan. But by the following morning, the boy's nausea hasn't relented.
4: Normally, Tristan is a very happy kid. But I could just tell from the look in his eye that he was losing hope. That was the alarm for me, that it was something way worse than just a stomach bug. I said that I would take him to the clinic.
0: When they arrive at the clinic, Tristan makes a startling confession.
4: He turned to the nurse and said, I've been vomiting blood. I was beside myself because I did not know what could be causing blood in his vomit.
0: The nurse checks Tristan's vitals and runs multiple blood tests.
4: The results of the blood test were inconclusive. I was just so frustrated at my wits' end that there was no end to this. But they couldn't tell us what was wrong. They just sent us home with some anti-nausea medicine and anti-gas pills.
0: Tristan begins taking the medication. But the next day, his illness takes an unusual turn.
4: I woke up the next morning and went to check on Tristan. I realized that the vomiting and the dehydration had really taken a toll on him and that he had lost a lot of weight, about five pounds. I was starting to panic.
6: Now, a growing kid shouldn't lose that much weight in that short of time. We knew we'd have to take
0: him to the right away. So Steve and Beth rushed their ailing son to the hospital.
4: They put him on an examining table and they hooked him up to an IV and checked all of his vitals and they didn't know what was making him vomit and so sick like that. It was very frustrating, but the doctors said they would just keep him on the IV and monitor his situation.
0: Doctors keep Tristan in the hospital overnight, but the next
4: morning, his state
0: takes a turn for the
4: worse. He started vomiting black stuff. It was just like tar. It smelled like rotten eggs and garbage. It was disgusting. It was very scary to see that.
6: He looked like death was coming upon him. He just said, I'm, I'm scared, Dad. I felt very helpless. I'm not trying to think my son's sick enough that he can die. It's always in the back of your head. After. I called one of the doctors into the room. Then she
0: knew there was something seriously wrong. Without much to go on, doctors take a new
4: approach. They sent us off to this big exam room with this huge x-ray machine that he was put under. And he drank this barium liquid.
0: Barium liquid is a special metallic fluid that shows up on x-rays and is used to detect abnormalities in the digestive system.
4: They had this x-ray on the screen and were watching this liquid go into his mouth and down his throat and into his stomach and then into his intestines, and it just stopped there. The two technicians were kind of looking at each other alarmingly, like, why is it stopping there? And they called the doctor in.
0: Surgeon Dr. Kimberly Reilly of Seattle Children's Hospital takes on Tristan's case.
7: When I first reviewed his case, it was pretty clear that he had a bowel obstruction.
0: A bowel obstruction deprives the body of critical nutrients and can lead to numerous complications. And in Tristan's case, it's having a disturbing effect.
7: Tristan was vomiting up bile, blood, and even his own fecal matter.
4: Everything was coming up and going the opposite direction because of the blockage. I was just horrified.
0: And... There's another complication.
7: The intestines could have burst. Tristan was really at risk for losing his life. So I was very worried about Tristan. I knew he had a bowel obstruction, but I did not know what the cause was.
0: To find out, doctors recommend a radical course of action.
4: The surgeon told us that Tristan needed immediate exploratory surgery. That just blew me away.
0: As doctors prepare Tristan for surgery, the family shares one last exchange. I can imagine not
6: having my kids or, or losing one or, or both of them. It's something I couldn't even
4: think about. Tristan means everything to me. And I might not see him awake again. So I told him that I loved him. My family is <laughs> the
7: most important thing to me.
0: In the operating room, Dr. Reilly begins the procedure.
7: I made a small incision in the belly button and placed a camera through it. I could see that part of the intestines were very ballooned and abnormally enlarged and slightly purple, which meant that they were starting to lose their blood supply, but we still couldn't quite see what the cause was.
0: Dr. Reilly takes a new approach.
7: I made the incision larger so that we could start to actually lift the loops of intestine out of his body. We had about a third of Tristan's intestine outside of his body. And I very carefully went through each loop by hand. All of a sudden, I saw something shiny on the intestine. It was reflecting the operating room light. It was very surprising.
2: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
9: You
5: have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: 16-year-old Tristan Beck is in the middle of exploratory surgery when doctors discover something mysterious in his intestines.
7: All of a sudden, I saw something shiny on the intestine that was reflecting the operating room lights. And I said, why is there metal there? It was a very fine piece of metal, just a little bit wider than a piece of hair on your head and about an inch long.
0: Dr. Really reveals the culprit to Beth and Steve.
4: The doctor came in and she showed us this tiny piece of metal. I could not even see it without putting on my glasses. It was so small. I was just like, what are you talking about? It made no sense.
6: When we got a good look at it, I knew exactly what it was. Tristan swallowed a small metal bristle from a grill brush.
4: I was just shocked that something so small could cause so much damage. It was just horrifying that that was in my son.
0: Inside Tristan's digestive system, the tiny piece of metal has worked its way through his intestinal wall, pinning several loops of his small intestine together like an accordion, causing the bowel obstruction, nausea, and fecal vomit.
4: That could have killed him, and I, I was just blown away.
10: Every year in the United States, approximately 80,000 people visit the emergency room having ingested a foreign object. The majority of them are children. While most foreign objects pass through the body naturally, some, including small magnets, needles, and fish bones, can lead to serious complications. And in roughly 1,500 cases per year, these complications prove fatal. Dr. really
0: continues with Tristan's surgery.
7: Luckily, Tristan's intestines did not suffer a significant injury. So then I put all of his intestine back inside and closed up the incision.
0: Tristan is wheeled back into intensive care. And 20 minutes later, he wakes up. I was really scared going to surgery,
6: but when I came out, I saw my parents standing there and smiling down at me, and I knew I'd be okay. I was extremely relieved to see Tristan okay. I was
4: very happy to see Tristan wake up.
0: After five days of recovery, Tristan leaves the hospital. And today, he has no enduring complications. But how did this tiny wire bristle end up inside Tristan in the first place? I
6: always use a wire brush when I clean the grill, and I scrape it pretty good. I think the bristle got stuck on the metal part of the grill. Tristan didn't even know at the time, but he must have swallowed this wire bristle. I did feel a little
0: guilty with this whole thing. I don't blame my dad at all. It's just a one in a million chance. Nonetheless, the Becks have made some changes to their lifestyle.
6: I've hidden the grill brush. We'll never, ever use that again. And we're using a pumice stone.
0: And that's not the only lesson the family has learned.
4: I am just reminded how blessed we are to have our children and to have the good health that we
10: do have.
6: Definitely do take life less for granted and I try to live it to the fullest every day.
10: When using a metal bristle brush to clean a grill, medical professionals recommend wiping down the surface with a paper towel or moist cloth to ensure that the grill is free of stray bristles. Alternatively, it is recommended to use scrapers made of wood, plastic, or pumice stone. I did not expect it.
5: I just kept praying for a miracle.
0: P.J. Nash is a county clerk who lives in the small coastal city of Titusville, Florida.
5: Titusville is awesome. There's rivers, lakes that you can go fishing in. There's the beach. It's got nature trails. It's a very nice, quiet community.
0: And it's the perfect place to raise her two children. 18-year-old Ethan and 16-year-old Courtney.
5: Ethan loved to fish. He's just an outdoors person. Courtney rode horses. She loved swimming. She loved family activities. She was a giving person. She would do anything for anybody.
0: The kids also have strong ties with their uncle, Tom Uzell. When our kids were growing up,
1: PJ would watch our kids. We would watch their kids. They were close. But something
0: is about to stretch these family bonds to breaking point. It's the height of summer, and one family member is about to spread their wings.
5: I had the day off, and I was gonna take Courtney to go get her driving license. She was very excited that day to get a license. Independence for a teenager is quite a big step. She thought she was a grown-up now. But as we're getting ready, she started complaining of a headache. I wasn't concerned at that time. We just went ahead and got her some pain medicine.
0: Courtney takes the medication. And that afternoon, she passes her driving test with flying colors. But the next day, things take an unexpected turn.
5: I was at work at my desk when the phone rang. It was Courtney saying that she threw up 20 times. This is not normal. 20 times It's not normal for a person to throw up. I didn't know what was
0: going on. So PJ leaves work to check up on her daughter.
5: When I got home, she's laying on the couch. She had a washcloth on her head. She was complaining of her stomach still hurting. I know my child. She does not complain. And at that point, something was really wrong with her. I really started getting concerned. She was getting dehydrated.
0: PJ takes Courtney to the nearest hospital. There, doctors administer saline fluid and run a series of tests. And 45 minutes later, the test results come in.
5: The doctor said the blood tests, the blood pressure and everything looked good. He thought it was just the flu. But she still wasn't feeling good. Her head was still pounding. I was very concerned at this time, but I figured, you know, he's the doctor. He would know best, and I figured she'd be okay.
0: Doctors discharge the ailing girl. And by the time PJ and Courtney get home, it's late at
5: night. We go ahead and get her ready for bed. But five minutes later, she comes into the room. She wants to lay down with me. She hadn't done that in years. It was very strange. She laid in the bed with me, and I could feel her body temperature, the heat pouring off of it. So I got a thermometer to take her temperature, and it was a 104. 104. 104 in temperature, is very scary.
0: And then Courtney's symptoms get even more worrisome.
5: A few minutes later, Courtney would sit up in the bed. And I said, okay, Courtney, what's wrong? Courtney, what is wrong? And she just looked at me, I don't know, I don't know. I said, well, I'll lay back down. So I would take her chest and just lay her back down. A few minutes later, she'd sit back up again just sit on the bed and just stare like she didn't know where she was or who she was, just this blank look on her face. I was very frightened.
0: So PJ calls Courtney's uncle, Tom Musel.
5: Tom has been a fire paramedic for over 25, 30 years.
1: PJ's sound in her voice kind of worried me. So I told PJ that I'd immediately drive over to her house and take a look and see what was going on. A few minutes later, Tom arrives at the house. When I started to check Courtney's level of consciousness, she seemed to be in like a dream state.
0: I said, she needs to be seen at a hospital right away. Tom and PJ get Courtney dressed. But as they do so, they discover something else.
5: I noticed this rash on the side of her face. It looked like little, tiny, pin marks. It would come within, I'd say, 10 seconds, it would disappear. And then within 30 seconds, here it comes back again. It was the strangest thing I have ever seen. I didn't know what was going on.
0: Instead of returning to their local hospital, Tom and PJ drive Courtney 40 miles to Arnold Palmer Hospital for Children in Orlando, Florida. The medical staff there quickly realized that Courtney is gravely ill. They immediately got Courtney back
1: into the emergency room. We laid out the symptoms that she had had, and they considered that this may be an infectious disease.
0: So doctors quarantine the family.
5: They put us into a special isolated room to be away from other patients. Then they decided they were going to order a spinal tap.
0: Doctors prepare for the difficult procedure. We
1: rolled Courtney over on her side. I held Courtney so she didn't flinch.
5: I knew this procedure was very painful. When you see a child having to go through pain, sometimes you wish you could change places with them
1: they stuck the needle into her spinal cord, they immediately saw cloudy spinal fluid.
0: Doctors send Courtney's spinal fluid to the lab. There, pediatric infectious disease specialist Dr. Federico Lehem happens to be making his rounds.
4: There was a technician looking at a microscope and they say, Dr. Lehem, I think you need to come over and take a look at this. We could see an organism that was moving.
0: To gain more insight on what it might be, Dr. Laham begins questioning Courtney's
5: mom. He wants to know what she had been doing the last couple days. She had been at her grandmother's house, and she had been swimming with five other kids in the St. Johns River.
0: This information leads Dr. Laham to a serious conclusion. She had an infection of the brain tissue. Uh, We call that encephalitis. Encephalitis is an inflammation of the brain, typically caused by viruses and bacteria. But in Courtney's case, it's caused by something far more sinister. It is caused by the parasite Nigleria fowleri. Nigleria fowleri is better known as the brain-eating amoeba, and it is one of the deadliest parasites on the planet. Inside Courtney's brain, the amoeba devours her neural tissue and multiplies in mass. The body responds by sending immune cells to attack the amoeba, but the parasites can resist them. And the excess immune cells in turn cause the brain to swell, leading to Courtney's crushing headaches, mental confusion, and unusual
10: behavior. In the United States, Less than 1% of individuals infected with the Nigleria fowleri parasite have survived. In most cases, the Nigleria fowleri parasite kills its host in less than a week.
5: I leaned against the wall and I was like a wet noodle. I just fell to the ground and just started bawling my eyes out. I knew there was nothing I could do.
1: That wasn't even in my, my thought
0: processes that it was an amoeba and it hurt. Although Courtney's chances of survival are extremely slim, Dr. Laham and his team try to
4: save her life.
3: One of the strategies that we utilized was to keep her brain
4: functions at a minimum to decrease the pressure on her brain. So we had induced a coma.
0: Dr. Laham also administers a cocktail of antifungal and antibacterial drugs to combat the parasites. And for the next two days, Courtney remains on life support.
5: It's so hard. You don't know what to do, what to say. Your child's there hurting. I just kept praying for a miracle.
0: But after keeping Courtney on life support for 48 hours, the doctors come to a devastating realization.
4: Her brain swelling continued to worsen. We did a
5: brain flow study which confirmed that Corny was brain death. The doctors told us to say her goodbyes. That was the worst day of my life, having to say goodbye to my child. I held her hand and said a prayer, but I told her I'd see her again one day.
0: Doctors take 16-year-old Courtney Nash off life support. But even in death, Courtney's giving nature persists.
5: When Courtney got her license, she was adamant about wanting to be an organ donor. And Courtney was able to save four lives. I'm very proud of her.
1: That was in keeping with the type of person Courtney was. She was a giving person and very concerned about helping people. But how did Courtney
10: contract the horrific Nagleria fowleri parasite? Nagleria fowleri is a single-celled organism that typically lives in warm freshwater. It thrives in tropical and subtropical regions. Infection occurs when contaminated water enters the victim's nose. There, the amoeba latches onto nerve cells and makes its way into the brain. Six days prior
0: to her passing, Courtney and her friends were at the St. John's River.
5: Courtney does not like water getting up her nose, but there was one time that she was doing a backwards dive, and she was not holding her nose at this time. It's an innocent day of swimming. It's just that one time it gets up in the nose, that one time, that could be your last time.
0: Today, the family keeps Courtney's memory alive with a foundation started in her honor.
5: Everyday life is a struggle. But we hand out bumper stickers and nose plugs to other kids so when they go swimming, they'll think twice.
10: Nigleria fowleri infections have been reported in 18 US states. The majority of cases have occurred in Texas and Florida. To minimize the risk of becoming infected with the Nigleria fowleri parasite, the CDC recommends that people swimming in bodies of warm, fresh water avoid getting water up their noses. The CDC also recommends not stirring up sediment while participating in water-related activities.
0: Rob Nelson loves hitting the great wide open on his customized Harley Sportster. But what keeps him coming home is his partner, Angela Sabatini, and their two kids, 14-year-old Dylan and 10-year-old Ashley. While both Rob and Angela work, it's Rob's occupation as an industrial painter that affords them the country lifestyle they love. I work long days, seven days a week if need be.
11: Spent a lot of time in the mines, oil refineries, Tank farms, sandblasting
0: storage tanks. When he's not working, Rob and his family enjoy some of life's simple pleasures. Got a nice big deck in the backyard and and
11: sit out there, barbecue, and enjoy ourselves.
9: It's beautiful sitting out there looking at the trees. We just love listening to the nature.
0: But this family's love of the natural world is about to come back to haunt them.
11: I was at work in the mines and painting a bunch of pipe and I wasn't feeling right. My belly started turning, got a little nauseous. I didn't think anything of
0: it, but I figured it wasn't good to be there, so I asked to leave. Despite a dock in pay, Rob leaves the mines early and returns home. For a full week, Rob feels under the weather. And what makes matters worse is that he doesn't seem to be getting any better.
9: We were in the living room watching TV, and all of a sudden he went into this major coughing spell.
11: (laughs) Couldn't catch my breath.
9: He hacked up this sputum that was just green, yellow, red, rusty color, and there was blood in it. It really freaked me out. I told him he should really see the doctor because this isn't normal.
11: I got a little nervous, and she convinced me to go in and see our
0: primary physician. <laughs> the next day, Rob takes more time off from work to visit the family doctor. They listened to everything. I could tell there was wheezing and there was blockage. The doctor x-rays Rob's chest, and moments later, he returns with the scans. And he explained that there were spots in there that were fluid-filled. They figured it was a pneumonia. Pneumonia is an infection of the lungs that is typically caused by viruses or bacteria. The condition can lead to fevers, coughing, and difficulty breathing.
11: It was upsetting. I already missed enough work. We really relied on my wages to make sure the bills were paid and we had a roof over our heads. So they put me on antibiotics and sent me on my way, told me I could still go to work.
0: Armed with the antibiotics, Rob returns to work. But the illness doesn't go away. Then, after three weeks of toughing it out, a new symptom emerges.
11: was rolling up sandblast hose, and I felt like somebody was stabbing me in the knee. Figured that I just stepped on it wrong or twisted something. It was irritating, but I
0: just kept going. Rob manages to finish his shift, but for the next two weeks, his leg pain and lingering coughs keep him off the clock and in bed.
11: If I can't work, then we don't have a house to live in. It was always in the back of the mind.
0: Then, one evening, Angela comes home to find Rob is barely breathing. (laughs) Immediately, she rushes him to the nearest hospital. There, the staff recognize he's seriously ill and quickly admit him. I couldn't breathe. I I couldn't walk. Everything was...
11: Really hard to do.
9: He sat there with his eyes rolling in the back of his head. I didn't know what was going on. It was terrifying.
0: Doctors give Rob oxygen and arrange for an x-ray of his chest. When the results come back, they are horrifying.
9: The lungs were completely white, full of fluid. I thought to myself. What are we going to do? Pulmonologist
0: Dr. Timothy Rich of St. Mary's Medical Center in Duluth, Minnesota reviews Rob's case. Rob was working very hard to breathe. He was having oxygen
12: failure of his lung. So we had to take biopsies of his lung.
9: I was very nervous and scared for him.
11: I don't like doctors. I don't like surgery, I don't like needles. Just figured out yeah, they're going to put me out and they're never going to wake me back up again.
0: But Dr. Rich tells Rob that this could be the only way to save his life. I wanted Angela there with me, because so I was scared.
9: So I stayed by his side and held his hand.
11: It was really emotional to watch her and watch the kids.
0: It was really emotional to see them grieving over me. Moments later, doctors sedate Rob and begin the invasive procedure.
12: We're required to go down into his lung with a bronchoscope
0: and to take biopsies of his lung. Doctors successfully extract a sample, and the results reveal something unusual. Based on the
12: lung tests that we did, also knowing that he was having difficulty walking because of a swollen
0: right knee, Rob had Disseminated blastomycosis. Disseminated blastomycosis is a system-wide disease caused by the fungus, Blastomyces dermatitidis. Inside Rob's lungs, the fungal spores colonize the air sacs, leading to his extreme pneumonia. From there, the fungus spreads to his bloodstream and ultimately into his bones, causing the pain in
10: his right knee. Blastomycosis is a rare fungal infection that only occurs in about one out of every 50,000 people. The infection usually just affects the lungs, but in about 25% of cases, the fungus spreads throughout the body to the skin, bones, and other organs. And in extreme cases, the infection leads to death.
12: I told his family that it was shredding his lungs and that his mortality was 90 percent.
9: I didn't want to accept the fact that I might have to raise our kids alone and go on the rest of my life without him. It was very scary.
12: We started him on the drug therapy, which was liposomal Amphotericin B. This is a very tough drug. And so we knew that he was going to get worse before he could get better.
0: With the drugs coursing through his system, Rob remains in a medically induced coma, fighting for his life. Over the first 40 days, uh, Rob's lungs collapsed
12: 16 times requiring chest tubes. I had never seen a patient survive 16 collapsed lungs. It was hard to imagine that
0: he was going to make it. In the ICU, Rob Nelson's lungs collapse 16 times as he battles the insidious fungus Blastomyces dermatitidis.
9: It was horrific. I just wanted him to know that I was there.
0: But after two weeks in a medically induced coma, Dr. Rich notices a slight improvement. He was beginning to show normal function in terms of his breathing, his blood pressure. And as his vitals begin to pick up, doctors slowly wean Rob from sedation.
9: I looked over and his eyes were wide open.
11: I just remember waking up and knowing I was in the hospital and I don't know what was going on.
9: I grabbed his hand and said, Oh my God, your eyes are open, you're awake. I basically stood over him and drenched him with my tears, he was gonna pull through this.
0: He's a miracle, because he made it. But how did Rob
10: contract blastomycosis? Blastomyces dermatitidis spores typically live in moist soil and decomposing organic matter, like wood and leaves. The fungus is found worldwide, but in the US, it's particularly common in the Southeast and the American Midwest.
0: And Rob and Angela have their own theory.
9: I truly feel he got it from our backyard. We love to sit outside on our deck, but at that time they were replacing the city sewer systems and the excavating that they had to do went partially under our deck.
0: During the installation, blastomyces spores from the soil could have been stirred up and then inhaled by Rob. a week after waking from the coma rob returns home to his family and today although he leads a relatively normal life the fungus is still in his body that's going to be a pretty
11: long road and it's possible that we won't be going back to the career that i had so until i heal up and my lungs get better don't
0: know what the outcome is going to be for work But for now, they've developed a whole new outlook.
9: We just live day by day, and we enjoy the simpler things.
11: We're just much closer. We do everything together. Just enjoy what little time you have now. Don't take nothing for granted.
10: It's impossible to completely avoid exposure to the fungus But there are some precautions that can be taken. People who work or live in endemic areas like the American Southeast and Midwest should be aware of early warning signs, which include flu-like symptoms, skin rashes, and coughing up bloody mucus. When caught early, blastomycosis can be more easily treated.
0: For more blood-curdling monsters and their hideous habits, visit our website animalplanet.com slash monsters inside me.